Hello and welcome to the new episode of Spilling the Free, everyone's favourite NBA UK podcast. It's me, Jim, and it's you, Cook. Welcome, listeners. Back again, episode 11. We're getting a bit big for our boots now, Jim. We're in double digits. We are wrong legs 11, as the old bingo players would say. I wonder if they have bingo in America. I'm sure they do. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so we're on episode 11, and... um, Usually it would have been recorded by now, but I have been on a little holiday break. But I am back. Only one day later, so you know what I mean? Don't be complaining too much, listeners. Off-season? Um, it, is, it is very much the off-season. We're actually looking to what to um, talk about. But there has been some basketball, Cook. And I guess we'll start there. There's been some summer league. So not the most competitive kind of stuff, but exciting to watch the um, the new young talent the NBA has to offer. And especially exciting uh, last week when... The highly anticipated Victor Wembanyama debut. Well, can't really call it a debut yet. I guess it's kind of like calling a preseason friendly in football a debut, which people still do. But we seen him on an NBA court for the first time um, as the one seed took on the two seed uh, when Spurs played the Charlotte Hornets, and I believe they beat him. But Victor Wembanyama Cook on the first night, kind of disappointing for all the hype. Yeah, I think maybe a bit unfairly. I think that. Yeah, he didn't have the best game, but at the, at the same time, it is summer league. He's not exactly tryhard, and he's just kind of getting a feel for the country and the culture of the game. Because he said after it, I believe that the difference is it's a lot more physical in Europe and in France compared to the NBA. He's like, I, I do get far more over here from the little sample size that we have of him. So I think if that's anything to come by, he will dominate certain teams just given his frame and given his actual ability with the ball and. Yeah, he's a great player and I think that two summer league games aren't anything to really go by. But it's a nice little precursor. It's it's a nice little tease for Wemby to come. And I think that, like we said, maybe four or five pods ago when it was official, I think that Pop and him is a match made in heaven and that franchise is the only way he's up for there. And it's a good time to be a San Antonio fan. And yeah, I wouldn't get too hung up on these two games. But yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. And um, like you just mentioned, Pop, there, he, he, in between last recording, he signed a new five-year extension, which I believe, I, I think it takes him up to 79 if he carries on coaching, which is incredible. And it's a, it's good news for Wembanyama because it's more stability. His coach isn't going anywhere in the near future. Um, we've already read and heard about how it's a great organisation to be around for a young guy because they've got so many role models and they take care of the young players well so yeah I'm sure it'll skyrocket but yeah when Banyama I mean before the game Cook he had the whole Britney Spears thing I don't know if you've seen any of that yeah that was so funny I saw it was official that he, he's not getting charges but everyone said to him beforehand they were saying on JJ Reddick that he was told no pictures no autographs just keep walking because it'll be an absolute free for all and as he's walking, someone's just like grabbed his arm from the back and he's just kind of like saying like, what the, like, what the fuck, get off me. And it was just so happened to be Britney Spears, <laughs> which is <laughs> one of the weirdest things ever. It's like a what if that. But yeah, so strange. Official, he's not going to get done for elbowing <laughs> Britney Spears. Is that the most welcome to the NBA? Is that more welcome to the NBA than getting like, charged by one of the big guys because he's quite scrawny is it going to be is his welcome to the NBA moment um, controversy with Britney Spears stands because obviously after his disappointing first night against the Hornets it was all over Twitter wasn't it he was like posting the video where Miller kind of crossed him up and I know Miller ended up fouling him in the play there was one where 
he got locked up by Brandon Miller. He like shot an air ball, and it was just all Britney Spears fans quoting it. And stuff. <laughs> and he's just like, "Yeah, welcome to America." I guess you didn't get this in France. Um, but yeah, he definitely. I don't know if you've seen much of the second game. Um, I think it was a few nights later they played the Trailblazers, and it would have been exciting to watch him play against Scoot. He looked really good in his first game, but he, he went off with an injury. Um, I believe it was his shoulder. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was his shoulder in the first game. So we just got one Benyama versus Shaden Sharp, really, who's been probably the Trailblazers' his next most exciting young guy other than Scoot. And he was so much better. He had 27 points, 12 rebounds. Three blocks. Um, his field goal percentages was miles better than the first one. Um, yeah, a few free free pointers. He didn't look like they end up losing the game, and he wasn't like he was giving it to Wembanyama every single time. He kind of let it the game come to him. But some of the buckets he would get in, um, some easy dunks like standing over guys and just catching it and shooting it, and the guys like he was guarding him. He didn't even see the contest because he's so big. That was quite exciting. We can I know it's you can't overreact with two summer league games like you said before, but from the first game being, oh my god, he's like as a bust and all this hype about him, and he just doesn't look like he's ready. And I think get a quote saying he didn't know what he was doing out there. And then the trans the transition to the second game in literally just a matter of nights, it was like, oh yeah, this is why he's the number one pick. Um, and I think he's going to have a lot of that throughout the season and a lot of up and downs. He's going to do a lot of learning in his first year. Yeah, everyone's. Well, it's mental. People were saying that it's the best draft pick since LeBron, like we said on the pod. And that is just unfair expectation in and of itself. And he's doomed to fail if that is the expectation. And no matter what he does in year one, it won't be good enough unless it's a title for some people because people will say he's that good. And it's a different game to when LeBron started in terms of the actual game itself, in terms of physicality and defence and that's a a whole pod in and of itself. But yeah, unfair pressure on him, I think. And I think that he will just do well this year. And I think it will be a gradual development. But there will be signs in the season where you'll think, oh my God, as if he's just done that. I remember quickly, I heard on a pod, I think it was JJ Reddit, the one where he was saying he had a bet with his coach that if he uh, hit a three-point shot and it didn't go in, if he could dunk the rebound, how long would it take him to do it? And he did it like two weeks after they made the bet. And he was like, oh my God, I thought that would take me years to do that. So I think we will see weird moments where you're just like, oh my God, as if he's just done that to X, Y, or Z. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there's there's going to be some highlights. Like when you've got a seven foot five, seven foot four guy, you can handle it like KD and he can shoot as well. He, he's gonna He's bound to get hot and do some insane things. Like you just said, some things that the NBA haven't really seen before. And on the flip side of that, he's going to get moments where he might get locked up by a smaller guy. I mean, I don't think you've seen um, Draymond Green on the Paul um, Paul George podcast, and he was talking about how they would guard him and stuff, and how sometimes being Draymond Green was saying actually being so big might be a bit of a disservice to him because um, the lower guy will always have the advantage in terms of he's he's lower to the floor, um, he's got more stability, more balance, and if they're ever like bodying up and stuff. And the closer up, like Draymond Green's like an elite defender, so we're going to see some moments where when Banyama's going to be made to look a bit silly and made to look like a rookie, which he is. So I just think with all the hype around him, and like you say, is the most like some of the pressure that's on him is unbelievable for a nineteen-year-old kid uh, who's coming to a new country as well. Let's not forget it's even harder for that. You could argue rather than being drafted through the college system, 
Um, yeah, he's, he's going to have some barren moments for the right reasons and some barren moments for the wrong reasons. And I guess it's just how he deals with it throughout the season. And I, I think, if anything, um, and again, on that Paul George podcast, Draymond said he's already an elite rim, rim protector just for how big he is. So he might not be getting the 20-odd points per game that he got in France, but if he can get a steady 15, be a part of that starting five and be a good rim, rim protector, I think that's going to be a successful first season because it's going to take some adapting. 100%. I think that there'll be times as well, like you said, where he does get locked up by, again, like whoever that may be, let's just say it's Draymond Green for argument's sake, then you will see times where Wemby is affecting the game without scoring. You'll see him assisting, you'll see him just taking two people to mark him just to create space for anyone else on the team so again I'm I'm really not worried about him like I said I think he's in really good hands and he's in one of the best places he could have landed and it's a really good place to grow and again very nice place Texas really nice again they thrive for basketball and again safe hands with pop but we'll move on Jim to something that has been nice and polished I think it's a bit weird, but they are doing an NBA Cup this year. And I believe it is in Las Vegas where they are kind of twerking for a franchise. And we can talk about that for a little bit afterwards. But yeah, it's in November. 30 teams will compete with eight teams advancing to the knockout rounds so of the tournament semis. And the championship game will be in Vegas December the 7th and December the 9th. So Jim, what do you think about the NBA Cup? Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. I mean, I guess... It's interesting that all the games, apart from, I believe, the final, um, count towards regular season stats. Um, and it's just going to be a way of... Like, do you know what? I, I, don't, I actually quite like it because it's just making the regular season more interesting. Um, there are times in the regular season where, especially in November, when you, you're just playing games and obviously you're playing to win every single time, but there's not that pressure of we have got 15 games left. We need to be here to get to this position, to get the play-ins, get the playoffs, to tank, whatever. There's not them stipulations yet. We're kind of still figuring things out. So it will make November more interesting. Um, I think the I think it's only the semis and the championship that's in um, Vegas. I think the rest of it is just as scheduled. So whether they do like new graphics or something to kind of differentiate from the regular season to the NBA Cup, I guess we'll wait and see. I imagine they will do. Um I imagine the the marketing for it would be massive, but yeah, to me it makes it more interesting. And they're going to have a, um, a, a like a, an individual award, aren't they? I, I don't, I can't, remember, can't remember what it's called, but I guess it's like the MVP of the NBA Cup. So I guess it just depends on who takes it seriously. Like, are players going to be because you get it in the regular season a lot? Players like resting and sitting when they're not necessarily injured; they're just tired. If all the stars are resting in like big NBA Cup games, quote unquote, if there's like a game where it decides you top the group and go through or go out, and you've got like a, a Kawhi and just rest for the for the Clippers, it's like that's going to really jeopardize how important the fans are going to like take it, or is this going to be a serious thing, or is this just going to be like a a bit of a, a gimmick and it's not going to last that long? I guess that's just going to depend on how seriously the the big stars take it. Um but yeah, quite interesting I thought and yeah. I, I do look for I do look forward to it to be fair. Yeah. What do you think about again, we're just kind of free balling this at the minute, but what do you think about the incentive? So what do you think about if for the NBA Cup you maybe won draft picks or 
you maybe were protected from only falling so far. Let's say, for example, let's say you finished outside the play-in because you won the NBA Cup, you're protected and you just go into the play-in. What do you think about maybe if the incentives were maybe a bit better? I think with the, the thing with that is, I think because it is part of the regular season, it's making them games more important than like a random regular season game, which I don't think will be entirely fair. Maybe you get injuries uh, at this time and you don't get it in the regular season. I don't. I don't think that's as fair. I think you're kind of making that into like a, a separate cup almost. You're kind of making that into like a in football terms an FA Cup, a League Cup. Where winning it gets you incentives. Winning the FA Cup gets you a, a Community Shield game. It might get you into Europe, but it's not part of the core Premier League. Whereas the NBA Cup is part of the core regular season of the NBA so I don't think that would be fair um, I, I do I do think it would obviously make it more to play for and ultimately a, a higher stakes competition means a better games and all the stars taken as seriously as possible I, I can't see him expanding into a separate cup with, all, with the amount of games they already play it's 82 I think it is yeah it's 82 get regular season games and then the playoffs they're not going to start playing more basketball. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't think that would be entirely fair, personally. Yeah, no, I'd like to see, to be honest with you, again, just before we move on, I'd like to maybe see less regular season games and then a cup competition similar to like what you've just said there, the FA Cup or something, where you do get something where there are draft picks or there is an incentive like that. And obviously the games have been reduced, but obviously it's a knockout, it's a knockout again, like what the FA Cup would be. But... Yeah, we'll just move on. But yeah, that was a, a nice little chat about that. Yeah, like we say, um, it, it's, it's interesting. I think it's a step in the right direction from the NBA to kind of address the problems the regular season has. Um, as somebody who watches other sports, especially like I've got massively against the NFL past few seasons. And I think with that just being 17 regular season games, every single week is huge. And that's not something the NBA has night on night. Obviously, you've got the massive games, you've got the rivalries, you've got the conference, the division games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But compared to Premier League, compared to NFL, it's not it's not as big of an occasion, should I say? There are times when you're watching a regular season game, and it doesn't really matter. You're on the second night of a back to back. All your stars are rested. You know you're probably going to lose. You're not too bothered about it. You just want to be healthy. So they are addressing that in making it more exciting, and which I think is a step in the right direction. And something else to do in next season, Cook, and this has got its its praises and its criticisms already. They've, they've introduced um, two new rules. We'll, we'll go over the first one being the coach's challenge. I think this is pretty, uh, by the by, it's a good thing. I think people have been saying it's a logical step to make. I think next so next season they're going to implement the real work if a coach successfully makes a coach's challenge, they will be given a second coach's challenge and the timeout for that first coach's challenge will be rescinded. Um, so currently you've got, we've got a situation where a coach can challenge a, a goaltend, can challenge a, whatever the play may be, a foul. And if he's successful, he still loses his challenge um, and he still loses his timeout, which is, is probably unfair. And I think, can, can you see anything wrong with this one, Cook, or is this just a good rule? I saw something on, I think it was uh, House of Highlights, that it was it was a female ref, I don't know her name, but um, it was a, a flop. A guy got actually elbowed in the face and she said he flopped and it was one of the most flagrant things I've ever seen in my life. But I think you'll see a lot of that this year and maybe a lot of 
is it is it called replay in the NBA what they use? So I think you'll see a lot of that this year. And I do like the idea that if you do get your challenge right, you get to keep it or maybe get another one though. I do think that because I, th- I think that that's what tennis does well with with obviously that being a completely different sport. But I feel like that is the way that the NBA will probably go to with the challenges. Just to, again, it's good for the drama and. I think that there's a lot of stuff that does go under the radar where you don't actually have a challenge and it's complete and utterly poor refereeing and the standard in the NBA has been quite poor of late. So, yeah, I'm for more challenges, but I think you will see a lot of teething problems with it in the initial. Like Similar to VAR in football, I think that as long as you stick with it, I think eventually you will get it right because you've just got to trust the process with it. And I think, again, that's the way it's going. Yeah, and I, I think especially in playoff time, it'll be doubly important because um, we've seen moments in games in the recent playoffs where it'll be a kind of obvious call and the coach knows he has to challenge, but it's in the first quarter, it's at the start of the second quarter. He doesn't want to use his challenge there because it could be very tight and late in the fourth where he has to, where he's, he's holding on to his challenge almost, um, even though he knows that he's probably right for that first one which we'll probably see, especially in the playoffs, like I just said, we'll probably see a lot more challenges be thrown than we have in recent years, which it could be a bad thing for watching it because uh, the, the amount of time they take watching the replays is just agonising. And this is from people who like watch VAR every week in the Premier League, and we think that's slow. But the replays in the NBA is just ridiculous. They watch, it's, about, it's a good five, ten minutes sometimes. So unfortunately, we will see more of that. But in terms of being a coach and actually using your challenge, it's going to be beneficial to those, especially the good coaches as well. And we'll we'll see who's who's the better coach here and who's good at recognising what can be challenged and what needs to be. Um, And I guess we'll go on to the second um, rule change for next season, Cook. And this one is probably going to be the one where we've got to wait and see to see if this is going to be a good rule. In theory, it sounds like a good rule change. So the, the... proposing that next season um, referees can call when they call flops um, the afflicted team will take a a non-unsportsmanlike technical free foul is what they're calling it I'm not sure what the difference between non-unsportsmanlike and sportsmanlike actually means that doesn't make any sense to me Um, any player in the game can take said free throw so you you don't have to be the one that you've been flopped on um, I'm guessing is the way you say that it could just be your best free throw shooter that's on the court at that time um, and it's all it doesn't have to be called during that exact play so uh, a flop could happen the referee might not call it um, the play could go out of bounds 30 seconds afterwards they could go back and call the flop and then give the other team a technical free throw Um so this has come with its criticisms cut because I think it was De'Aaron Fox, actually, it was on Twitter, and he was saying that it's it's bad because players lose a lot of money for technical fouls uh, and getting charges against them like that, um, especially, obviously, not the main starters who are earning millions and millions, but the guys who just come in to defend and it's still a referee's judgment. So it's not going to fix the flopping situation where referees are getting the calls wrong. We're just kind of giving the other team uh, more bonuses, pretty much. I'm not actually sure 
that they will stick with both of these long term? Do you think that they will stick with both of them? Uh, so the the flopping one is a one year trial, um, I believe. Um, so I guess they see how successful it is. See, do you In like the past the trial, or do, or do you think that it should have just been like this is the new thing we're going to do? I guess the I guess you could say it being a trial is kind of them semi admitting that they might not stick to it and they don't know whether it's the best thing. So I guess it kind of um, I don't know makes the new rule change a bit weaker. The idea for it because they're kind of not going like you just said. They're not going. This is the new rule. We're having it because we believe in it. But they're going. This might be good. Let's try this. And they've done that before in the past with loads of things. Um, one of them, I remember, there was something about, I can't remember the exact rule, but it was like touching the basket, trying to block a shot. If you touch the net and stuff, that would be calling foul, fouls and free throws. It's been quite a few, uh, yeah, kind of like goaltending, but like you're not meant to actually touch the net. And yeah. like, I think like, yeah, I think there's still rules in the actual rule, but now that you will exactly watching basketball every week, every night, and you won't see them influ- influence ever. They're kind of like, so I that's where the criticisms of this one. What, sorry? Like three-second rule in the paint. That's so rare you'll see it professionally. Yeah, yeah. Traveling. Traveling's probably a huge one. Um, uh, it was a few seasons ago. They was trying to clamp down on traveling. Start of the season, they'd call everything. Um, get to December, January, and it just wasn't a thing. And you see it in the NBA now. I mean, the amount of people who travel. It's just... Have you seen, there's that great guy on um, on socials who I think he's called I can't remember what he's called now I'll have to link him but he basically calls out travels and uh, yeah he's great I think he was on um, like ESPN or something last season because he actually found his Twitter account but yeah so if it's just like that then I guess it's just going to change basketball for a few months get to the end of the NBA Cup and we're not going to see this again <laughs> so I guess it's just a wait and see. It's just kind of a news update from our point of view. And until we actually see it, I mean, I believe it's happened um, twice in the Summer League. And I don't think there was any like big reaction to that. But then again, it's the Summer League. So it's, it's waiting to see until that actually happens in the regular season to see what the reaction actually is. Definitely. And I think that, like you just mentioned, the regular season, it's it's not actually that long away, Jim. Now we think about it, a lot of people have started training. I've seen that Jordan Poole's locked in at the minute, but we're going to segue actually out of that segment now, and we're going to talk about duos that we like in the NBA. So, Jim, we were talking earlier off mic about some of the trades that we've happened and some of the low-key super teams and nice little link-ups that we like. So who's two people that have caught your eye that you think are going to potentially have a either a low-key, really good NBA season or they're going to take the league by storm as a duo? Yeah, so mine is very much low-key. It's not kind of one of the bigger new duos. So we are talking, our listeners, new um, partnerships that we're going to see after trades and after free agencies and draft. Mine is going to be, for the Pacers, I think the Indiana Pacers are going to be really interesting to watch next season. And it's going to be Tyrese Halliburton to Obi Toppin. I just think there's going to be so many good. I'm really excited to watch this team. I think they're re- I think they're going to be really nice to watch. Um, they play really fast. I believe they were the third quickest team um, last year in the NBA. Um, they've just had the added Bruce Brown. We talked about that last week. Big fan of him. We we'll have to watch him for my Denver. Um, yeah, but did they have? They had like most. It was most efficient team on fast break fast break points last year. Um, and I just think the fit of. Tyrese and Obi Toppin 
it's just going to be great because he's an unbelievable passer. He, he's, I think he was only behind Harden last year for assists per game. Um, Topping was in the dunk contest. It's, it's very much what he does. He, listen, he can shoot on his night, but his game is under that rim and his athleticism is mad. Um, he did um, a tweet when they actually traded for him, Tyrese, and it was something like, I'm a be, have you seen the Mahomes to Tyreek Hill meme from a few years ago? And it's like, fuck it, he's up there somewhere. I'm just going to throw it. And he kind of just quoted that and just started laughing. Like, that's what he's going to say, fuck it. Obi Toppin's up there somewhere. I'm just going to, just going to throw it in. I just think we're going to see so many nice highlights, especially of the way Tyrese likes to please the fans. He does his no looks. He does his little trick passes and stuff. Obi's going to be there waiting. He was speaking on a podcast um, about the link up and he, he seemed very excited. And they've already spoken, I believe. Like, yeah, I just think they're going to be a great team in general to watch. But in, in terms of duos, it's going to be them too. And, and they're not going to light the league up or anything like that because I, I think they're just going to try and aim to get in the playoffs. And Obi Toppin isn't a name, it's not a superstar name. And Tyrese kind of is now, he's got that max contract. But yeah. I just think them two are going to be really exciting to watch next season. Um, who have you gone with? Yeah, so I've gone with... We, we, we've actually changed from what we said before off mic. You'll be glad to know. Wow. Uh, because I thought we could talk about that one together. So, the one I've chosen, Jim, is from the Washington Wizards. It is Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole. I think that that link-up, it just screams Gucci to me. And, and you talk about no look passes and little little dummies X Y and Z, but yeah, these two are just young kings that are ready to go. They're on an absolute wedge, and JP has got his hunger back. Kuzma's going to bring it back out of him, and yeah, I think the Wizards, similar to the Rockets, we were talking about a few weeks ago, the ceiling is so high for that young team, and the business that they fucked up on with Bradley Beal has been resurrected by getting JP back in. So I think that, yeah, the Wizards, this is a nice little duo. Do you like this? Do you not like this? What are you thinking? He's got he's got a lot to prove, Poole, hasn't he? Um, and oh, yeah. I, I, you'd, you'd like to think he's going to take a lot of the the weight of the Washington Wizards on his shoulder next season because he, he doesn't shy away from it, does he? No, no, he's not afraid to be that guy and... He was ridiculed in the playoffs and by Steph Curry for taking that shot infamously in the playoffs and where he should have passed to Steph. And you'd like to think that Steph would have absolutely buried it and the Warriors would have got a little bit further before they were inevitably twatted by Denver down the line. But yeah, I think that he's not afraid to be that guy. He's obviously a champion already, so he knows what it's like to win. He's been around winners for years now. Like I said, the money hasn't changed him. I think that... He had to get away from Draymond Green to succeed. And I think that, again, Kuzma is a, a very nice player to play with. He's a very easy player to play with. And, yeah, I th- I'm really excited by that link-up. And I never watched the was- I never watched the Washington Wizards. Try and say that three times fast. <laughs> but, um, a lot last year. But next year, I will definitely tune in a lot more because I'm a fan of both of these guys. And, yeah, I thought that these were the guys that you were going to say. I'll be honest. Oh really? I, yeah, I guess it's interesting because there's, there's no pressure, is there? Um, in terms of what the Wizards are going to do next season. I mean, w- oh. what do you think the goal is? Is it just kind of an individual thing for Poole? Because uh, ultimately they're not going to be winning any NBA championships or anything like that. They've just lost one of the best scorers 
um, in the league for for pennies. They've lost Porzingis as well. Um, they, they're going to be one of the worst records you'd like to imagine. I mean, that's yeah. Make that's that's me saying something that could look silly, obviously, but. Yeah, do you think that no pressure situation is better for Poole? Because obviously there's a lot of pressure in Golden State, especially when you're playing with Curry, who's you're always going to be competing when you're playing with a guy like that. Yeah, and a lot of people, and rightly so, believe that Curry obviously isn't going to last forever, and he's a, a once in a lifetime player. And there's only two people that can really shoot the ball like he does. It's him and Dame Lillard, and the guy is so special, and they really don't want to waste his prime because there's an argument that he is still in it which is absolutely crazy. We saw him drop 50 when me and you was watching him at mine and you're like, oh my God, he is still that guy. And Curry is inevitable, so to speak. But yeah, I know what you mean. He's He's been around that winning environment, which I think he will take more of a leadership role in this because again, he is getting paid the big bucks and everyone knows it. And I think that he almost will take that burden and be like, I get to be the guy now. I'm not in Steph's shadow. I'm not in Clay's shadow. I'm not... Like, I'm not a role player anymore. I am the guy. So, yeah, I'm proper excited to see this. I, I actually am. And I think that they will both succeed. And I don't think you'll see it for long. Again, I think it'll burn bright and it'll burn fast because I think that both these guys will succeed. And like we said on pods gone by, they're both sale- really saleable and tradable assets down the line. But let's get into another duo me and you were speaking about the other day. Marcus Smart and Ja Morant. So... The Grizzlies obviously picked up Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. And I think that this is such a good pickup, Jim. And this link up is going to be so good. Yeah. And just the anticipation of watching, of waiting for Jamran. Obviously, he's got a 25 game suspension. Um, so we'll have to wait some time. I wonder if that will link up nicely with the NBA Cup, perhaps. Who knows? Maybe I can't really. That's just me doing maths in the top of my head. Maybe he does come back for the NBA Cup. <laughs> but yeah Marcus Smart great pickup, and I think what he's done what what he can do off the court for Moran I'm around the shoulder kind of guy it's a very young side and the Grizzlies very exciting very one of the better teams to watch last season but at the same time you could tell it was young for how they acted some of the the peacockery kind of got them in trouble in the past he, he got them in trouble in the playoffs and ultimately when they poked the LeBron the um maybe a bit naive to do it but they're having fun um, so I, I don't see anything wrong with it personally but then you do see something wrong with what Jamran is being ultimately suspended for something he's done twice off the court relations with guns and being on Instagram and stuff like that and maybe that is something that Marcus Smart can kind of hone him in because if we don't talk about what he does on Instagram lives to 113 people or whatever it was he's one of the most exciting players to watch in the league he, he's unbelievable. I mean, he's, he, he, he's not afraid. He's probably the only player in the league who won't be afraid to dunk up a bit to win Banyama next season. He will just go for it. Um, some of the little dishes he does is amazing. Marcus Smyth is such a clever player in a different way as well. He's such a clever player in general, but calling charges um, against big men, he, he will defend anyone. He's a former defensive player of the year. You've got a really good one too there in someone who's not afraid to defend against anyone and someone who's not afraid to attack anyone. So that that could be huge for the Grizzlies. And I think it's a massive step up. And listen, I do rate Dylan Brooks, but I think it's a huge step up in terms of that backcourt and them two, plus Desmond Bain, plus Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the better defensive players of last season. Well, he was the best defensive player last season. And then you get Stephen Adams in there as well. 
this is a this is a championship winning team ultimately. So, and it's something that neither player has done. So, they've got a lot to prove, a lot to win, a lot to play for. And yeah, I, I just hope that it, it probably will take some time because, like I say, they're on a twenty-five game store compared to other new duos, should we say? But I'm sure come playoff time, it'll be an immense partnership. Definitely, and it could literally be almost saving without saving with John Morant being suspended and he comes in nice and fresh and obviously the workload's a lot less and obviously he can manage his minutes going forward as well if you're playing shitters going forward, for example. But yeah, like you said, you've named some really good players and really interesting players, players that have played at a really high level for a long time. I'm really interested to see Marcus Smart, Stephen Adams, just that physical element to this side is it's just something that they've not had before outside of Jaron Jackson Jr., in my opinion. I think that he's he's done so much work and he's almost done two players' work on the court, the way he actually gets about and his wingspan. It's it's genuinely class to watch. And I watched these a lot last year. And the way that they become a championship team, in my opinion, is they need to bulk up a little bit just to, again, protect the stars going forward and bulk out the points with Morant because Desmond Bain really has to step up now. He's got that bag and really replace Morant's points and really become that guy and start dropping big boy points, so to speak. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see these. Really excited. So, yeah, J, JP and Kuzma and Jal Morant and Marcus Smart, they're the the duos that I was really happy to talk to you about this week, lad. Yeah, and we can't wait to watch any NBA duo, let's face it, at this point. Um, even though we're not as long off, the NBA off-season isn't as much big as some of the sports, but... Yeah, we're raring to go, aren't we? And we're going to be here recording podcasts every week. Um, every Wednesday, we're going to aim for, obviously this week, I was on my alls. I do apologise. Um, release for Thursdays and Fridays. And yeah, that's been episode 11 of Spilling the Free. Before we leave you, we'll just say that we are now on Twitter. Um, we're at Spilling the Free, free in numerical sense. Um, but just type in Spilling the Free and we should come up. We're pretty new, not got too many followers, so... We'd love any sort of interaction on there. Um, and you can catch us as well if you want to see any of the, the network stuff on Twitter. We've got at CookiePodNet. Um, and then we're on TikTok as well, Cook. What are we called on there? We're called The Cookie Podcast on TikTok. And on Instagram, we are Cookie Podcast Network. So, so you'll yeah. check us out in NBA format and in football format, whatever tickles your fancy, Jim. So take us home. Yes, that's been episode 11 of Spilling the Free. We'll see it. <laughs>